Well, again, as I say each week, thank you so much to those who have helped to put our worship services together. Uh, for our praise team who has been leading our music um, over the past few months um, so wonderfully. Uh, for uh, Gary Brubaker who has put together our music uh, compilations and put together our videos. Uh, for Brandon Bull who was our uh, special music this morning. Larry Thompson who was our liturgist. Um, and also for those who have been serving in our outdoor worship service, for our ushers and greeters, um, for those who, gosh, for those who set up and tear down, I'm so grateful um, for all of your help and support and for the ways um, that we're in this work together. So thank you. And again, if there are ways that you are interested in serving, um, if you'd like to sing a special number, um, if you have a prayer that you'd like to offer, um, if you'd like to assist uh, in our outdoor worship, if you'd like to be a liturgist, um, if you have a testimony to share, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and we will help you figure out how to get that um, recorded and to us. So um, if you are interested in, in serving in any way, we'd love to have you. So once again, thank you to those who have. And now um, we are in our series on living the questions. And throughout this series, we've been talking about some questions that we have, two, four, about God, faith, church, religion. Um, and some of these questions may have be, may be or may have been your questions. And maybe some of them you've not thought of before or, or they're not your questions. Um, but probably you know someone for whom these are their questions. Um, and so we wrestle with them together. We, we speak about them. We share about them. And sometimes that means we come to different places on them also. Um, but I think the faithfulness is in wrestling and, and listening, listening to, to God. And so we have, um, we've looked at how do I discern God's messages? How do we know who has it right about God? Does God discipline or what's God's judgment? Why do bad things happen? And when is the end of the world? And so this morning, uh, we wrestle with the question, why do bad things happen? So would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right. So why do bad things happen? This is a very simple question, um, and it's one that we're going to answer very easily. Okay, maybe not. Um, it's a question that has plagued or haunted or um, been around, I really think, probably since the beginning of time. Um, and it's a question that, that may not have a great answer for you. Um, or maybe we come to a response and you think, oh, there's more. Well, if this question has been wrestled with for thousands of years, I, I'm not sure what the answer may be. And so, you know, there's part of me that would like to just say, I don't know. And then that's the end of the sermon. And maybe for some of you, you would be like, that's great. Um, and maybe some of you would be like, no, give me the answer. Now, our scriptures are not silent about evil or about bad things. Um, it's not also not silent to people's reactions to evil or bad things. Our scriptures are not silent about tragedies or about people's reactions trying to, fig to trying to figure things out. 
And so our scriptures are full of responses and some have been interpreted differently. Now this question is also one that really does it really does haunt people or plague people. I mean, when I've talked with folks um, who may have some complicated feelings about God or about church or about religion, this often is one of the questions is, why do bad things happen? Or if God is loving, then why does this happen? It's a hard question. And maybe for some of you, it's a reason why you have a hard time with faith or with God or maybe for someone that you know. I don't think that it is, um, I don't think that it's controversial to say that there is evil in the world. I mean, we've seen it and experienced it. There's racism, there is oppression, there is violence. And as human beings, sometimes we do horrible things to one another. And sometimes those things are done intentionally and sometimes they're done unintentionally. So we have seen bad things. We've experienced it. And there are things that we tell ourselves when dealing with these bad things. Um, Sometimes we say, well, everything just happens for a reason. Or maybe, well, it's just part of the natural order or the natural way of things. And there's also the response that, well, God has nothing to do with any of this. So when we ask this question, why do bad things happen? I think even though it's a question that I think is important and that we all wrestle with, it's also kind of risky because how we respond to it tells us about what we believe or what we think about God in particular, And I think one of the things at risk in this question is, what is God's power? Does God have all of the power or does God have none of the power? Now, on the surface, those both may seem fairly innocent. But if you think about God having all of the power, that may seem not terrible on the surface. But but then what is your choice? Do you have free will? Because if God chooses all of your actions and all of the actions around the the universe, well, then what's my responsibility? And what's my choice? And what's my free will? Is there? But if you go to the other extreme and God has none of the power, that God has nothing to do with anything, and that everything is just a coincidence, and God has nothing to do with anything anywhere. Well, that's a, a concept that's often called the watchmaker, where God created everything and then just sort of left. But that's also not, not true either. I mean, you've probably had experiences where you've, you've felt God's presence or you feel like God is guiding you. And so does that mean that God is absent or has no power and everything is just random or coincidence? We have these two extremes, but, but I think that there's probably somewhere in the middle. There's a story in which God has all of the power and yet God limits God's own power because we do have free will. I mean, we get to make choices. 
And sometimes the choices that we make do have consequences. So if you choose to speed, you might get a speeding ticket. And sometimes those consequences can explain why bad things happen. Uh, I think there's a quote that sometimes is attributed to Mother Teresa, but I don't know if she actually said it, um, that says, sometimes the reason why bad things happen is because we make dumb choices. Well, isn't that true sometimes? But what happens when, what happens when they don't? What happens when it's, it's not anything that's up to us? Our scripture passage for this morning comes from the book of Job, and you are probably familiar with Job, if not the entire book, at least um, you've heard the name and probably have uh, have referenced Job at some point. Um, it's become, it's also sort of a cultural touch point, even if you're not familiar with the book of the Bible. And so the book, Job, is the story of a man who has had a lot of bad things happen in his life. And the book of Job explains this as a bargain that happened between God and Satan. And throughout this parable, this parable of Job, uh, Job loses friends, he loses family, he loses his means, he loses his whole way of life. And then at the, at, at, throughout this book, Job remains faithful until he's just had it. And then he has it out with God and asks God his questions and asks God, why? Why, do these, why are these things happening to me? Why? Have you ever asked that question before? I know I have. But so in the book of Job, there's a response from God. And the response from God comes in two speeches out of a whirlwind. In Job, in Job 38, God asks questions of Job. And it can be read as challenging. I think it depends on what tone of voice you read this in or even how you're experiencing maybe God or the responses to these questions. I mean, there are times when I read this and I, I feel like God is maybe a little sassy. So God's response to Job is, did you create everything? Were you with me at the foundation when I created the foundation of the earth? Huh? Were you there? Oh, right. No. Now, they can be seen as sassy, but I also think that they may not be. It may be an earnest question asking Job to consider a larger picture. Job, did you create everything? Were you there at the creation of the foundations of the earth? Do you know how everything works? How each piece works together? Can you explain the details of the universe? God answers Job's complaints with a series of questions, which when you're looking for a response, especially to why, I mean, that's exactly what you want to hear, right? You want to hear these series of questions. But in these responses, in these questions that God asks back, 
God talks about the bigness of the universe as a way of responding to Job's questions. Why do bad things happen? Because we've experienced miracles when it feels like God intervenes. Like you can't explain what happened. And so truly, it must be God. And sometimes those things happen. And when they don't, what happens? When you pray so hard for something and it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Is it God's fault? I mean, it's often we want someone or something to blame and it's easy to blame someone else or it's easy to blame God. But did God cause those things? When you have nothing left, when you are at your lowest or rock bottom, you have to get creative. When you hit rock bottom, whatever that looks like, you can either stay there and you can work your way out And it takes creativity to find that next step. And as we struggle to make sense out of our life, we can create some beautiful responses and answers. I think one of the other questions within this, why do bad things happen, really is how do we live? And what defines us? Do our traumas define us or is it our joys? Whichever we choose is how we live our life. And to be fair, I don't think it's an extreme, only joys or only traumas. I think we live in the middle. But whichever we choose helps to inform how we live our life. So why do bad things happen? I don't know. I really don't, and I wish I did. There are times when things happen and and sometimes I just don't understand. But it doesn't mean that we have to stop trying. I was called once to a family whose one of the family members had died by suicide that morning. And as they were waiting for for all of the news to come in and for all of the reports from the police, and they asked me to wait with them. And um, and I sat with them and we prayed. And then they sat for, we sat for longer. And and after after a couple hours, uh, one of them looked at me and said, can you just tell me why? Give me all the answers. Tell me why. And I said, I don't know. And they said, that's not good enough. Give me the answers. Aren't you supposed to have them? And I said, well, that's, that's not really how it works. And no, I don't know. I don't know why this happened. I mean, we'll come up with reasons and explanations 
and you've told me parts of this person's life that I can see how it led to this decision, but I don't know. What I do know is in the midst of this, we are never alone. We're not abandoned in our time of struggle. God doesn't disappear or leave. God is with you. And I believe that when bad things happen, when good things happen, God is always with us. And sometimes the presence of God is felt in a community of healing and love. God is always there. Brad Montague is the, um, the man behind Kid President and the movement Socktober. He wrote a book um, that was released uh, back this spring called Being Better Grownups. And it's partly based on his motto to be the grown-up that you needed as kids. And out of this, he created a society. Um, he calls it the Society for Better Grown-Ups. And so he, as a part of this, he offered this blessing and challenge. Here's to all the friends and teachers, neighbors and nanas, mamas and mentors, dads and granddads, to all the porch drops, surprise mail stops, air hugs, above and beyonds, acts of kindness and courage. Many years from now, may the stories of our kids tell of this time be stories of little big things, tiny, mighty acts of love from people who were older and scared, but showed up anyway. Brad says, I've been quietly inducting thousands of people every week into the society of better grown-ups. It's a merry band of people committed to the great big work of showing up for our littlest people daily. It's a reminder that you are not alone in this work. There's a great growing group of people cheering you on and adding their hearts and hands to the work too. He says it's his goal to induct one million grown-ups. And he says, I hope one of them, if not already, can be you. One of the ways that we respond is supporting one another in the middle of life when we need it the most. I believe in the gift of I'll go first. Most times when someone else says something, it's easier to go next. Whether it's a question or a statement, I often will say, I am willing to be the hot mess first if it helps you to be a hot mess. It's the gift of solidarity, the gift of me too. So perhaps in the comments below, you're comfortable sharing me too to some of these scenarios or these statements to help remind yourself and others that we're not alone. So 
if some of these re re are your me too's, you can put those in the comments below. Like if you've experienced a death in your life, me too. If cancer has affected your life, me too. If you've lost your job, me too. If you've been divorced or had a bad breakup, me too. If you've been in a car accident, me too. Maybe you also feel comfortable sharing your own experience in the comments below. If not, it's okay. You're still not alone. You never are. You never were. You never will be. We may not be able to explain or even understand why bad things happen, but we don't have to go through life alone. The gift that we are able to give one another is that of solidarity. Me too. And it's a gift that God gives us as well. It's in the gift of incarnation. God puts on flesh to dwell among the people. God lives and breathes, experiences pain and suffering in the form of Jesus Christ, and teaches us all how to love. And so we gather together virtually, in person, connected to each other across all divides through grace and mystery of God, where God says to us, me too. Amen.